Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 25 of the Game Groups podcast, the all-encompassing weekly gaming podcast from the Goodnight Groups. We're a quarter of the way to 100. Will we make it? Find out in 75 episodes. My name is Matt. Today, I'm joined by Mike and Josh. No Paul today. Paul is off being a, a, good, a good man and, and uh, having a nice birthday evening with his, with his partner and... Uh, Good luck to them. Have fun. Uh, let's get right into it. The peak of the week. Mike, I'm going to you first. You, you don't always have your peak of the week ready, so I'm talking a little bit here. I'm, I'm, I'm going on and on. I'm, I'm, I'm talking, giving you some time to think about it. Mike, best thing that happened to you this week, mm-hmm. go. Mm, that's a difficult one. Uh, best thing that happened to me, uh, I don't know, a Halo playlists are out. That's kind of cool. Uh, played some Psychonauts. That was also cool. Not not a whole lot of like groundbreaking stuff, but you know, video games are cool. So last week your peak was downloading Psychonauts too, and this week actually <laughs> playing it, an upgrade. Oh, yeah, look at that! Look at that. <laughs> two steps in the right direction. Psychonauts two is just dominating your your last two weeks here, Josh. Uh, absolutely nothing. This week has been pretty shit. Oh. Uh, but uh, I'd say, honestly, I didn't get to play any of the Halo Infinite campaign last week, so I finally jumped into it this weekend. Nice. And it has been so much goddamn fun. It's been a blast. So, you know, I, I throw it all my good old girl Halo. Uh, it's been good. It's been fun. Perfect. Love it. My peak, again, hasn't happened yet. I do this a lot. We record on weird days. It's a Wednesday this week. It's usually a Thursday. For- a lot of the good stuff usually happens after that. In this case, The Witcher Season 2 comes out Friday. So as this podcast is up, whenever that happens on, on Friday, the seasonal will already have been out. Currently has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. I am hype. I think season one had 60-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I really liked season one. I thought from a production standpoint, it could have been better, but I still loved it. And I'm super excited for this one. For Just from the trailers, you can totally see that they've upped production value a ton. It looks like a good time. I'm excited. More, uh, you need to hear some more bangers from, from Dandelion. A couple of really good songs in the first season. Let's, let's please, get some uh, new Dandelion, ones. uh, Dandelion is my daddy. Please and thank you. <laughs> All right, let's move on to trending topics. In trending topics, I give our panelists a choice between three search terms. They have to tell me which term they think got the most searches over the last seven days via stats from Google Trends. We're going to play three quick rounds here. You guys, are you ready? Oh, yeah. All right, round one. Bungie, 343 Industries, or DICE. Now, these were all qualified as the companies only, so don't think like DICE counted in like someone searching for like D&D accessories. <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw this one to 343. I feel like they've been hot in the news, hot to trot. Yeah, there's been a lot of angry people, so 343. <laughs> so this one was a blowout, absolute blowout, and it was Bungie. Wasn't even close. <laughs> what the fuck? How do we always Why? get this so catastrophically wrong? Like, what the Why? fuck has Bungie done? Other than copy old Halo guns. Dice was really, really far behind in this one. No one gives a shit about them. <laughs> Battlefield, you don't fell off. <laughs> round two. God. Keeping this theme alive, round two. Destiny 2, Halo Infinite, or Battlefield ni- uh, 2042, not 1942. Uh, fuck it, Halo. I'm going to lose, but Halo. 
Destiny 2. <laughs> Halo Infinite is the winner. It was fairly close between those two. It's bullshit. <laughs> I hate this game. And round three. There's no logic here. <laughs> round three, eggnog, candy cane, or Christmas cookies? Cookies. I'm just going to stand for my boy Egg and Nog, and we're going to go with Eggnog. I also love Eggnog, but the answer is Christmas cookies. Eggnog ah, was a fairly distant third, Candy Cane a somewhat close second. I, I feel like I drink one glass of Eggnog over Christmas, and I that's know. enough to fill me up for like the rest of the fucking year until next Christmas. I always get so excited about it, but like... Then at the end of the day, like it's such like a heavy, thick drink. I'm like, I just don't really want eggnog right now. But I also only like non-alcoholic eggnog. I actually don't like alcoholic oh. eggnog at all. So I don't know. What What about you? Are you you're an alcoholic eggnog guy? Yeah, I'm just an alcoholic. So. <laughs> well, let's move on. <laughs> all right. The big question this week. The big question is going to be a little bit less traditional. Instead of discussing major news or an event surrounding the gaming community this week, I want to talk about first-person shooter games, specifically competitive multiplayer aspects of them. Two-thirds of the panel this week, Mike and Josh, play a decent number of FPS and do quite well with them. I enjoy them, and I try, but I'm not quite on their level, as they've seen with recent... Halo Infinite matches. I I was okay with uh, with Call of Duty Modern Warfare over the last year or so, but Halo, I just have not taken to it super well yet. I mean, I love playing it, but I am absolute ass. Also, I didn't write that. That's not part of the big question. All right. <laughs> FPS has been around as a genre since the late 1980s or early 1990s, depending on where you want to draw that line, but competitive FPS was ultimately popularized with Doom in 1993, followed by GoldenEye 007 in 1997, and Counter-Strike in 1999. A few years later, we would see Halo Combat Evolved, Battlefield 1942, Medal of Honor, Call of Duty, and others solidify the genre in the mainstream. For the most part, FPS games haven't changed a ton. Basic mechanics, map layouts, power-ups, melee abilities, etc. have all remained relatively consistent. Arena shooters, hero shooters, battle royales, and other sub-genres can shake things up a bit, but the games still mostly play the same. So, here's the question. Has the FPS genre simply been solved? Is a variety of flavor all the genre really needs to stay alive pretty much forever? And when I say that, I mean, like, as far as games go. Like, obviously, post-apocalypse, uh, I'm not saying FPS is still around, although maybe, you never know. Uh, or if the genre is subject to decline, what sort of changes could be made to give it a new coat of paint? Now, obviously, it's hard for us to to say. We aren't game designers. If we did come up with some sort of revolutionary idea to uh, put a new coat of paint on FPS games, we'd probably be millionaires <laughs> and working at a game <laughs> company, but that's not the case. Uh, but if you have an idea, I would love to hear it. So, let me throw this to Josh first. Now, as much as Mike plays FPS, I would say Josh is our main FPS lover uh, on this panel. So, Josh, take it away. What are your thoughts on this? Has the FPS genre been solved? You've played a ton of them. Do you think the genre has been solved? I mean, I think 
the main thing is FPS is just as a whole as a genre is really, really simple. Um, you know, RPG has like a lot of lingering things overhead that you can run with and do with it. FPS is just, it's first person, it's a shooter. Do with that what you will. So I think that <laughs> kind of leads into the next thing um, where I think it really is just a, it's a flavor thing. Because you just kind of look at major releases that have come out over the past decade. And I really want to point to two. Um, while TF2 was a hero shooter, I'm really going to give the nod to Overwatch. Um, Overwatch, when it came out, while it has certainly fallen off and does not have near the hype it once did, it's at the time, like, Overwatch blew up. Literally everyone was playing it. I, it, I didn't know someone who was not. Like, it was just that popular. Yeah, it was big. Um, same with Overwatch. While it certainly didn't have the popularity that Overwatch did, I think it actually did something more impressive with the FPS genre was Titanfall. Um, mm, Titanfall yeah. was incredible. It still had first-person elements, but it just brought in the mechs, so it had different variations of how you could play it. Did that really well? Look, I'm just I can't sit on my Stan uh, Titanfall account right now because uh, I love that fucking game and I hate what Respawn did to it. But um, that oh, sorry, not Respawn EA. That's beside the point. Um, all that said, as far as the genre being subject to decline and what sort of changes could be made to give it a new coat of paint, I really just think it's it's things like Halo Infinite. Taking something that's already out there and making it its own and just making it better. Uh, I, I think that's an example of a company doing it right after failing two times in a row with 4 and 5. Um, or with Battlefield 2042, where they regressed. You know, they came out with all these new potential ideas and they tried to cram in a bunch of other ideas from other FPSs that just didn't work in Battlefield because it's not what Battlefield was. It seems like a lot of these shooters have to build themselves out to be one specific thing. It's like Call of Duty. You're going to have your loadouts, you're going to have your perks, and you're going to have your kill streaks. At the end of the day, that's what it is. Right. Um, and I think that's what a lot of these first-person shooters you know, want to build themselves around, and it's important that they do, and I think it works. I think they just, it's important that we continue to improve upon what's already out there. Because um, if you don't, you're naturally going to see some sort of decline. However, do I think we're ever going to see a decline in it? No, not really. I think more so we'll probably see a decline in just popularity of certain games. Uh, Battlefield, for distance, this instance, is just not doing well right now. I think it's fallen off more than it has in the past because of its choices it's made, you know, with Battlefield 1 and 5. And then ultimately failing with 2042 and really not cashing in on the hype, whereas opposed to Halo, you know, built themselves back up and made themselves into something. Meanwhile, Call of Duty struggling now as well. Um, so it's really just making sure you're making the right decisions and recognizing what people like while also realizing sometimes you got to change a couple things. Um, you know, you got to change just a little bit to make sure that it, that it all kind of works. Keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. Mike, what are your thoughts on this situation? Um, I know you've also played a lot of FPS, and I'm curious to know what you think as far as where the genre has come and where it might be going. I, I was more thinking of the question of, is the FPS genre solved? Go for it. Answer that one. And my answer is yes. <laughs> um, I almost couldn't disagree with Josh Moore on this. Um, <laughs> I think feel like the FPS genre has been solved for a while and it's kind of telling at this point you have Battlefield 2042 coming out you have a bunch of new ideas that basically just uh, inflated the game and made it not 
enjoyable. And what they really needed to do was just go back to old Battlefield and just make that, and they would have done much better. We've got Halo Infinite, and yeah, it feels like the best Halo that we've had in years because it feels like Halo from years ago. Right. So all they had to do was just go back and do it. They still made some decisions like your character doesn't ha- doesn't interact with other characters so you can phase through them and that's very weird and i don't know why they did it but like for the most part it's just halo from like halo 3 halo reach like it feels the exact same less bloat. and yeah less bloat i feel like everyone's trying to push the fps genre forward um i would agree that overwatch did that um i don't think it's fair to dog tf2 too much they did create the hero shooter genre um overwatch just came out 10 years after it um so uh, tf2 kicked it off um and then did nothing with it 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 put hats in the game yeah Mm. (laughs) they still do when i stopped playing yeah they do uh that's why i stopped playing it um was when they delineated from adding like new weapon types and decided to go with hats um but like uh, overwatch pushed the genre forward in a good way um i played a shit ton of it um i would also say like valorant pushed the genre forward in a good way but at its core valorant is csgo like you cannot right argue that it's not the shooting is the exact same oh yeah the difference is that you have abilities like the core of an FPS game probably is solved. I don't know that we're going to get anything game breaking unless you push the genre into a different realm. And I don't know what you would push it into at this point. Um, I'm not a dev. I, I can't, I'm not going to come up with the next big idea for an FPS. I think Overwatch was the biggest push forward for the for the genre in the last decade and probably will be for the next decade but you know the feel of guns the feel of the shooting mechanics that's all solved um call of duty really hasn't changed much and when they do try to change it it usually falls on its face and is not good um same thing with halo same thing with battlefield and it's honestly the reason why you know, one of the most telling things about the genre is the fact that it is dominated by Call of Duty, Halo, Battlefield, and that's it. Like, there aren't indies that are developing new FPSs, even even like Splitgate. Like, yeah, cool concept, but Halo came out, and it, yeah. it, it's Halo. It's, it's crushed, and it's <laughs> crushed point. Splitgate into the dirt, which is unfortunate right. Splitgate had a lot, but it, like it's just Halo. The gunplay is, is Halo. Um, they don't have overshields, which is weird and makes it feel funky. Adding portals was neat, but overly complicated, I think. And it really was just filling the gap that was there was no Halo out. And now that Halo's out, no, no one cares. I hate to just say, like, yeah, FPSs are just going to be the same thing, but that's what we've seen. It's It's kind of like sports games. Sports games have been solved. Like... No one's going to come in here and be like, right. I'm going to make a FIFA competitor. No one's going to do that. Like, because how can you? Um, That's an interesting comparison. You have, you have to have like a really good idea like Overwatch was in order to compete. And honestly, Overwatch 
had a good idea, but also competed in a part of the genre that had nothing. TF2 was the only thing in that area that was of note. And again, it was a 10-year-old game at that point. So who who cares? Yeah, I, I, I don't see the genre going much further. I maybe like in I think FPSs might have like a place in like VR in like pushing the genre further. But like everything's just gonna be a fresh coat of paint. I, I don't see it doing much else, unfortunately. Which it, it doesn't need to. Let me ask you guys this. So look at the RTS genre. It essentially, even though Age of Empires 4 won an award of the Game Awards, RTS essentially, for the most part, doesn't really exist anymore. I mean, technically no. it does, but for, for the purposes of this conversation, the RTS genre is dead. It was pushed out by MOBA, which is a genre that came off of RTS. It spun off of RTS. Why has traditional FPS, like Team Deathmatch and that kind of stuff, why do you think that has persisted while these new spin-off subgenres have come in in the first-person shooter genre like we talked about, like like Hero Shooters or Battle Royale? Why is traditional Team Deathmatch still around? And, and you could say, well, just because it's fun, right? But a lot of people would say the same about RTS and that it RTS is competitive, Team Deathmatch is competitive. Like, why why does something like RTS go away, but old school traditional FPS has stuck around and doesn't seem like it's going anywhere? I'd say take it from me, Mister Team Deathmatch Andy. Like any Call of Duty game, there's about a ninety percent chance I'm just playing Team Deathmatch or playing Domination, which is basically just Team Deathmatch with a fresh coat of paint. I generally just think it's because like an RTS game, I think requires a little more thought. Um, and a little more brain power to comprehend as you're playing it. Meanwhile, I can just log into like a Call of Duty. I can just hop into a match, a team deathmatch. That bitch is 10 minutes long. I have fun. I can rack up some kills. I can make myself feel like the big badass, and then I'm done. I can log off. I can go do the laundry. I, I feel like that's the main reason it has stuck around is it's just convenient, honestly. While there's other games, I think that, like, you know, Battlefield, who certainly had the longer games, I just think at, at its core, it's simple. And even though you mentioned the fun thing, I mean, it also, if if the game has the proper feel, it is it is just fun. I think the, ex and while you were talking, I thought of this independently, but I think the accessibility of the genre on console is a big deal as well, because RTS was, while it did exist in some ways on console, it was never very big there. And at a certain point, consoles really blew up, and a lot of a lot of new gamers were only console gamers. Like gaming has exploded, and a lot of that is because of console gaming. Like PC gaming obviously has grown, but if you look at percentages, I think console gaming has grown a lot more in the last 10, 15 years. Mike, do you have any thoughts on that? On on the whole comparison to the RT RTS genre? Yeah, I I, I don't think it's I don't think it's that. <laughs> I, I I agree that like team deathmatch is simple. It's easy. It's it's you just jump in and you shoot people and then you jump off. But like there are people that love RTSs. There are people that will sit there and play them because they like it. Just like people play chess. The difference I think, and the reason why FPSs keep blowing up and you get a new FPS every year from you know. Call of Duty and shit like that is because the difference between an FPS and an RTS is that like 
if you go from one FPS to the next, for the most part, everything's the same. Good point. You have gun, you shoot person. <laughs> the controls are usually the same. Right, right stick aims, mouse aims, click the buttons, you shoot. Right. Uh, with an RTS, there's a lot more preparation. Uh, I played a lot of StarCraft II for a bit. Um, like, you need to know how to macro you need if you wanted to be competitive if you wanted to do that you need to know what all the hotkeys are how to get around where all your units are how to hotkey to your units etc etc and you can't just jump into another rts and have it expected to be the same because it won't like there's no there's no like cookie cutter solution for an rts and god forbid a company's like like if, if if StarCraft was like, okay, first year StarCraft one's out, and then next year, uh, StarCraft two, and then we just go on and on and on until we're on like StarCraft seventy five, people would be pissed. People would be like, what the fuck? Right. No. <laughs> and you know, the competitive scene kind of like falls into the rut of like what they're comfortable with. And like StarCraft two, people still play it competitively. It still gets played, you know, in professional leagues because there are people still playing it because that's what they're used to. They're not going to age of empires four wins the best strategy game, which I don't understand, but whatever you're not going to see Starcraft pros start playing age of empires four. No, they're going to continue playing their old game. Like it doesn't make any sense. So with that comparison, it's a little more apples to oranges instead of apples to apples. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I don't think the RTS genre is solved. And also, the RTS genre kind of got the strategy genre has been kind of fractured over the years because you've got like people that like RTS, they like managing a base and and an army at the same time, and having to micro and macro their units. And for me, kind of hated it. I grew to hate StarCraft as a competitive game i like playing the campaign because it's slow paced and simple and if i want to pull out you know hockeys and macros then i'll just stomp the computer but like (laughs) i don't i don't want to have to worry about (sighs) playing starcraft is like playing three different games of chess because you have to real figure out what your opponent's strategy is and be vigilant of other strategies that they might be doing like you don't know what they're doing and that's the issue. But you have the strategy genre and it got fractured into people who like MOBAs, people who like commanding armies and microing units. And then you got Forex, which was the macro game. You can micro your buildings, but you ma- have a macro plan. And that's where I think RTS kind of got fractured and thrown about, where the FPS genre, again, you go play Overwatch. Oh. Click button, it shoot gun. Go play Call of Duty. Click button, it shoot gun. Like I, right? It's the same. No, that's a, I that's do a feel, great I point. do feel like there's a little more nuance there though than than could be let on because just as someone who has switched between the two, I have to play one quite a bit before I get back into that rhythm of actually wanting to play that one specific FPS. It may be sure. different for other people, um, but that's just kind of been my experience. Like if I'm playing Battlefield, chances are I'm playing it for two to three months at a time. Or if I'm playing Halo, I'm playing it for two to three months at a time. I don't divvy up too much uh, w- when I'm playing the FPS. But, I mean, that's just my experience, too. Specifically, sure, Jesus, but- Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, and Halo Infinite, the time to kill on each of those is so wildly different. It's like 
it really is a completely different sort of muscle memory. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. But uh, I guess my point is you you don't have to relearn the controller when you pick up a new game. Right. Because yeah. yeah. All the buttons are the same. Yeah, you might have fair. to find out where melee is. I, <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> like the feel of the games are very different and you have to get used to it. But right. Yeah, it's much easier RTSs to... RTSs are different feel, different buttons, different layouts, different UIs. Like it's all different. Yeah. It, you're right. It's much easier to be a high level Halo player and then go be a high level Battlefield player than it is to be a high level Age of Empires player and then go be a high level StarCraft player. Like that's a very True. different thing. All right, let's move on. We're moving on to Review Bombed. In Review Bombed, I give our panelists a game title with a Metacritic score. They have to tell me whether the user score for the game is higher or lower than the critic score. Critic and user scores are based on the best scoring launch platform, and we're going to play eight rounds here. The panelists can make the same guesses, but whoever makes the most correct guesses at the end wins. We take game title suggestions for Review Bombed from our $1 plus supporters over on Patreon, patreon.com slash goodnightgroups, where you can message us your suggestion. Here we go. Game one. The Witcher 2, Assassin of Kings. Is the user score (laughs) higher or lower? This is it's so much harder than I expected. This is really The Witcher 2 is actually really tough. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with lower. The user score. Yeah. So hard though, because maybe they have diehards. Fuck it. I'm I'm hitting the button. I'm, I'm going lower. Yeah, I'll go higher. I think it was really buggy on release. It might still be buggy. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> Critic score 88. User uh, score. 8.5. So yeah, critic scores higher. Barely. Next game, Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. <laughs> Did people <laughs> like this game? Okay, this is the Uncharted series, so people liked it. I I played it and beat it, but it's been so long. Was it buggy as Fucking... fuck at launch? I can't. I think I'm thinking <laughs> about this incorrectly. I'm going to go with lower. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with above on this one. So Uncharted 2 is probably, I would say, widely considered the best Uncharted game. Oh. Uncharted 2, critic score of 96, a user score of 8.8. Hell no, no chance. (laughs) Damn, the best Uncharted game is an 8.8. That's rough, buddy. Uh, I I don't know. Uncharted 4 (laughs) might have a, well, all right. (laughs) we'll talk later uh (laughs) third game knack two god (laughs) oh definitely higher (laughs) going higher 100 percent. i literally only think this is higher because of donkey it's gonna be higher it's gotta be critic score 69 nice nice user score 7.8 it's Knack 2, baby! <laughs> Next game. Dishonored 2. Higher. I'm, I hate to just sit here and follow Mike, but I, I, I think it's higher because I think it was just better and people probably saw that. Mike, are you keeping score, by the way? Because I'm not. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, it's 2-2. Two, two. Dishonored 2, critic score 88. User score Ooh, that's really high. 8.0. Oh, fuck. Damn. Next game. Psychonauts 2. Are we noticing a theme yet? 
Yeah. What's our theme? number two? Yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah. They're all two. they're all number two sequels. It's uh-huh. me, Pattern Man. Uh, I'm gonna go with higher. I'm gonna go lower. Psychonauts two, a critic score of ninety one. Fuck. A user score six point Oh my god! <laughs> what the fuck? On PS4, it's a five point Didn't it get review bombed though? Did it? I don't know. Why would it have gotten review bombed? It got it got like daddy dicked. I'm like holy shit! It must all have. All I'm seeing is that if the game scores high with critics, it's review users don't rate games very high. <laughs> Seems like that's the case. Yeah, unless they're really really passionate. But that's why I thought Uncharted would take it too, though. Like, what the fuck? Next game, Red Dead Redemption Two, which is actually the third game in a series, but we're gonna we're going with it anyway. Um, fuck this one. Also, I'm gonna regret this decision higher because it's a Rockstar game. So I'm sure critics rated it obscenely fucking high, which means I'm sure some person was mad that there's not GTA shark cards in it or whatever the fuck they're called. It's shark cards. Are they just shark. Red Red Dem- Redemption Two. I'm gonna say. Ooh, ooh. I'm gonna say lower. Critic score at 97. But user score 8.6. Jesus fucking Christ. I should have known. Next game, The Last of Us Part 2. Lower. Lower. <laughs> Critic score 93. User score 5.7. Okay, Next game. It doesn't deserve a 5.7, but. No. <laughs> Mass Effect 2. Uh, ooh. That's a good one, but it was also. Lower. The, I'm going lower because of the Human Reaper. Critic score ninety six, user score eight point nine. What was the uh, what was the score, Mike? I have six. Josh has four. Oh, okay. Well, mm. this isn't for anything, but I did have a tiebreaker prepared just in case. Who is the closest to guess Portal 2's user score? Eighty eight. Portal two. Users really like the eighty score. I think uh, nine point three. Mike was barely closer. 9.1. Ah. Two quick thoughts. One, you gave, you shot on Uncharted 2, but it's the second highest user score on this whole list. <laughs> Mass Effect 2 was 0.1 higher on the user score side of things, okay? And two, <laughs> um, it's really, really hard to find games where the user score was higher than the critic score. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I don't know oh, how yeah. often we're, we'll be doing this game. It's because yeah. users are finicky bitches. <laughs> Uh, Psychonauts 2 was review bombed. The PS4 version was review bombed because they didn't make a PS5 version. Oh, okay. Perfect. Um, Reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Perfectly reasonable. It's that and like the fact that literally Knack 2, one of the ones that was actually higher, is because of a friend of the show, Video Game Donkey. Yeah. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Yeah. Yeah, it got review bombed. You Google Psychonauts 2 review, and the first, the second thing to come up is bomb. Oh, <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the water cooler. Let's take a quick break around the water cooler to discuss the games that we've been playing this week. Yes, Mike? Final Fantasy Endwalker has a review score up. Um, uh, an meta open critic? Meta. Does it have one on? It has one on Open Critic. I just I'm kind of waiting until the next round of Groofster almost to count it because it's since it's an MMO, there's going to be a lot of scores coming in right. over time. I, it was on my Twitter. But Let give me, us a quick update here. Back to, uh, it's at 93 now. 
Okay. It so, was at 97. Yeah, it's gone down quite a bit. But 97 is ridiculous. And that was like six reviews. Yeah. <laughs> so for Metacritic, Metacritic has it at 90 right now. Okay. So. so it'll probably go down a little bit further on Open Critic. Yeah. That's fair. Yep. Still, I mean, that's a good score for an MMO. So I'll go first as far as the water cooler because most of my spiel is going to be about not a game, but a tech demo. So I played The Matrix Awakens. Mm. Have either of you played this yet? I know I told you in Discord you guys have to try this. You, I, not, I watched it. Okay, so there's almost no real gameplay. But as a tech demo, you can see where things are going, and it is truly impressive. Okay, so I actually thought that the demo was... End- so it opens on like this five-minute action sequence where you're you're in a car, you're shooting cars behind you in this in this car chase, and... You're not really even aiming. It's immediately locking on, and you're really just pulling the trigger and moving the the uh, controller stick around to different directions. But you're really not doing much of anything. So when that ends, I was like, "Oh, okay. I guess that's that's the end of the the demo." And then all of a sudden, they put you on the ground level, and you can walk around the city. So it, it becomes like this really bare bones GTA or Watch Dogs or something like that. Now, I will say, the amount of detail is mind-blowing. I went into this very skeptical. I was not expecting to be this impressed. The fact that almost every single car is different is wild. It's one of those things you you don't think about, like, when you're playing, like, GTA, how they load in, like, the same kind of cars all the time. Um, And the car that you are driving specifically starts to show up a lot because it's easier to load. But in this case, almost every car is different. The windows in the buildings, they actually have objects in them, like 3D rendered objects. So another thing I found out as I was walking around, I was like, wait, you can fly. You can fly a drone to the top of a skyscraper. You can see offices or apartments. You can look at the windows, see them. The only thing that's sort of missing that I do think actually detracts from the fact that you can see into every window is that you don't see people like npcs walking around in those 3d spaces it's just empty every single building is empty which maybe was just like an oversight on their part or the tech is just not there i don't know why they couldn't do that but that was a little bit weird but even if you go up to a window that has the lights off you can see like objects in the darkness of the shadows it's crazy that's another thing like the lighting is just ridiculous but very little pop in if at all, I noticed it maybe like once and it was, it wasn't bad. It wasn't like a bunch of buildings popping in. I, I don't even remember what it was because it happened so quickly in front of me. Every NPC walking around has their own detail. Um, like I said, the lighting is ridiculous. And there's a slider where you can change the position of the sun in real time. Like, it's not reloading the scene or anything. You're changing the position of the sun in real time. You can also change NPC density and car density on the fly in real time. It doesn't have to reload the game. I mean, it, this whole thing is, is nuts. The playable area of the city... So here's my, this was my biggest question. And this is why I don't understand why they couldn't have rendered NPCs in the offices and, and apartments. The actual playable area... I hesitate to say it's ridiculously large because I don't actually even know if it ends. 
I don't know if it actually ends somewhere or if they just continue to procedurally generate more area. It's hard to tell because the draw distance is so far. I've never seen a draw distance like that before. It's so far. I can't actually tell if the city ends or like if the game is creating more city as you fly along in the drone. I can't tell. So that was mind blowing. It, it's like, you know, like in the, I don't know if you guys have seen the matrix before, but how it's, it's like an endless city. And so that's what it was uh, in the game. And, and anyway, the last thing I want to say here is after I, I flew around a bit, then I noticed you can actually get into cars. You can get into parked cars and drive them around and they have dynamic destruction. That is the most realistic vehicle destruction I've ever seen. And that was also just completely mind blowing. I, like I said, I was not going into this expecting to be impressed. I was going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I, can, I mean, we kind of already see stuff like this or like, yeah, I mean, this is kind of cool. But, and especially after the, the action sequence, I, when I thought that was going to be it, I was like, yeah, that was impressed. The lighting was cool. Like the car destruction was cool. And it's, yeah, sure. This is all rendered in real time, but like, I mean, there wasn't much to it. And then when you actually walk around the city, it's, it's insane. But this is how I imagine like the next generation of Grand Theft Auto to happen i hope it's like this and you know obviously a more polished version and a version with actual gameplay but this is sort of how you can see like a gta 6 looking like so you guys absolutely i know mike you watched it i feel like you have to experience it you have to i don't know josh you you definitely have to see this at some point it's it's ridiculous. I, I actually just kind of while you were chatting about it kind of just looked it up to get a glance at it the, the thing that stood out to me the most are the the vehicle dynamics yeah like holy shit it literally looks like a car just like crumples its front end yeah when you like have a fender bender it's actually kind of insane there were people who were doing videos of like creating the just like giant pile-ups and it's like this looks like it doesn't look like weird like video game car models hitting each other it looks we're reaching this really weird uncanny valley territory where it was a little off-putting because it's like this is so real that it's it almost felt I, the word I would use is like it felt too smooth like it felt too like it made too much sense that I didn't just smack someone with my car and like yeah my car door was dented in like a given spot that was you know denoted ahead of time before it even hit the car no it was like dynamically done and the amount of damage that happened was also dependent on how hard i hit the other car it was nuts anyway i'll move on from that two other quick things and i won't i won't go on forever about these but i played Sp spider-man miles morales finally started playing it loving the christmas vibes this is why i wanted to wait a year and play it in december i'm super happy the web, I will say the web swinging and the combat does take a little while to get used to again. Uh, once you have it figured out, it's insanely smooth and fluid and works so well. And it's so fun, but there's definitely an adjustment period. And like the first one, it's really, it's not the easiest game in the world. Like it's not Dark Souls, but the Spider-Man games are strangely more difficult than you would expect. But I like that. I, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, and then played a little bit more it, it Takes Two with the wife. We'll get through it slowly. We'll get through it eventually. Uh, but it's been a ton of fun. And uh, it's good. We don't all play co-op games a, a ton. She plays a lot of stuff on the Switch. 
Um, and it, she like never plays the PlayStation, so it's kind of funny. She's like trying to get used to the controller. Like she'll look down and look at where like the square is and the triangle and all that. And uh, but she's she's really getting used to it and um, and getting better at it. And it's a lot of fun. The one thing she needs to improve on is the the whole aiming with double sticks. I know that's difficult for people who aren't used to it. But she got through all of Breath of the Wild, and there's like archery and stuff in that, so she can do it. Oh yeah, if you can get through all of the Breath of the Wild, you can do anything. Anyway, I, I that was a lot. I just talked forever. I was just talking at you guys about the Matrix Awakens forever. <laughs> Josh, I want to hear what you played this week. It's uh, it's been exactly what you thought it would be, given the uh, nature of today's uh, discussion. I played a lot of Halo Infinite, uh, not multiplayer though. This time, I played a lot of the campaign. Uh, campaign is fantastic. Uh, the story I haven't really delved into too much. It does, admittedly, just kind of feel like generic Halo story. Yeah. That said, there were a few moments. There were a few Master Chief moments and Cortana moments. So I got a little okay, choked up right. at. Ooh. Um, like actually pretty like like damn, like they actually hit you pretty hard. Like there there's something about John's voice in this one that they nailed. Like a I, bit I think older. it's probably a little bit older. I mean, a product of just the voice actor too, just getting older, but also John himself getting older, more grizzled. Like it's it's you can tell and it fits the story really, really well. Like it almost feels like he's getting close to the end of his story is, is what it feels like to me. Now I haven't beaten it. I don't know where it all goes, but that's just the feel I've gotten from just playing through a little bit. The open world elements, which I were, which I was a little unsure of are not overly done. It's not overly bloated. It's just fun. The combat's fun. The Marines are ridiculous. The voice lines are just obscene and insane. <laughs> uh, same with the grunts. They're just like, it's a little fourth wall breaky, but like when you're open world haloing, who gives a shit? Just break the fourth wall. No <laughs> one cares. You're going to get to your story moments and you're just going to forget that happened as far as like the fourth wall breaking. Um, so yeah, Halo Infinite has been fun. The campaign is great. Uh, if you have Xbox Game Pass, play that shit. Um, also, I have still played a little bit of Scarlet Nexus. Won't really go into too much of that. I've just kind of, you know, enjoyed it. Uh, but then I finally beat Dark Souls 3 uh, yeah. on stream. Finally. And my God, is it satisfying to just beat the fuck out of that game and get through it it's so good the music is incredible uh even some of the story story beats once you really start to understand it or just you know watch body video on youtube it, it really is satisfying and god damn are the boss fights just so much fun to learn get good at process and just beating a boss in dark souls 3 is literally unrivaled it's just so good until eldering maybe Hopefully. Uh, yeah, hopefully. God, I'm sorry for Elden Ring. Yeah, I got to watch you play the end of Dark Souls 3, and it, it was really cool. And then, obviously, now you're playing Dark Souls 1 on Southern Fried Groups uh, with yeah. Fave. And I got to say, it's making me want to play. I, I told you guys a little bit in Discord how my first Soulsborne game was Bloodborne. And I really think that was the wrong decision because I do think there's a lack of story in that one, at least from the outset. Like, there is no, like, big story dump at the beginning. Dark Souls seems way more cinematic from, from an outsider's perspective. I mean, and I'm not even just memeing one. Like I said, on Southern Fire Groups, I genuinely am, like, having a good time with, like, Dark Souls 1. It's good. It's it's a lot of fun. It's much slower um i can't say if it's easier or not because i mean some things have kicked my ass some haven't it's just a different game but it's still kind of the same so it feels the same once you've learned how to play it it feels nice and the world is still there 
um, which is really nice. Because what you said about Bloodborne is entirely true. There, there is cool story beats in Bloodborne, but you do have to seek them out and find them more so than you do with Dark Souls. Episode two of Southern Frog Groups comes out on the 18th, so you're likely listening to this when it's already out. Episode two is fantastic. Go check it out on YouTube. Josh and Favor doing a great job. Mike's editing is absolutely peak of the editing yes. game. It's a great show. Mike, what are you playing this week? Not a whole lot of anything. I played some Halo. Um, played some Psychonauts 2. Psychonauts 2 is really good. After it finished uh, downloading, have, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> having a good time with it. I'm just running around the uh, mother lobe and doing various things, interacting with characters, etc. Uh, so not a whole lot going on over here, but I did want to address a few things oh. that you guys talked about. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with Josh. Um, Dark Souls, you say that until you get to certain bosses and you're like, fuck from software thank god you got better at designing <laughs> bosses um just full of bullshit i would assume they're they're we're gonna make a difficult boss design decision is what if there's two of them oh god um <laughs> twin imps uh the gargoyles so, um the gargoyles and smog and um yeah there's there's parts of that game that i do not want to go back and play because i was like mm, no whereas dark souls 3 i'm like bosses are good they're Incredible fun throughout yeah anyways uh so good good luck <laughs> <laughs> um i didn't want to talk about the matrix thing because i am looking further into it yes um but i am uh, also pulling from what i watched over the weekend i watched a streamer play it I think I know why there's no people in the buildings. Oh. And I think that's because of how they program the people. Uh, from what I could tell from the person playing, and granted, I don't know if this is true or not because I didn't experience it firsthand, but when I saw the person driving around, the people who were walking on the street didn't really seem to react to anyone driving. Um, right. He even ran over someone, and he didn't run them over. He went straight through them oh okay um, i didn't notice that so my thought process is the fact that the the npcs that are roaming around the city are just generated objects that walk they do react paths. to each other though sure that's probably just an animation trigger um but it seems like they have set paths which are the sidewalks and that's it and they aren't like intelligently moving through the through the world which makes sense for a tech demo you don't need to do that um which i think if they were to put them in buildings they would have to path right. the npcs in buildings and looking at uh, i'm looking at a drone shot of the city the building layouts seem extremely varied which is they impressive are, yeah, yeah. i don't see, they were probably just like nah we ain't doing that instead like an object that doesn't move easy put that in there and then uh, you mentioned like the vehicle dynamics. I did watch the guy that I was watching. He crashed his car and to the point where it stopped working. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, so when I used to play Forza, I used to play on simulation difficulty um, because I like cars. And I like the fact that in simulation difficulty, if you damage your car too much, it stops working. Yeah. If you hit like your axle, you can't turn a certain way. Right. If you hit the engine too hard, it doesn't run anymore, et cetera, et cetera. So um, 
really cool that that is in a game like this. I wish it was more prevalent in games. Yeah, not um, a racing game. It's just like a part of yeah. a larger game, potentially. Yeah. And last but not least, you got me interested in the car crashes as a former crash test engineer. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, if they turn this into a real game or if someone wants to turn a game into with cars in it, that would probably crash and put realistic physics in it uh, that mimics what a car does in a crash. Call me. <laughs> yes, this please. ain't it. <laughs> please. This ain't it at all, Chief. Um, I mean, the detail is probably the more impressive part. The physics, if you drive your car at 10 miles an hour into a pole, it's not gonna, it's not gonna cause your car to wrap around it. I'm sorry. Absolute it's destruction, not. Mike. <laughs> 10 miles an hour, you're dead. That's it. I was just like, wow, okay. Um quick story about that yeah, before just, you move on, real quick. Uh, I was driving home from work a couple weeks ago, and this this guy's coming out of a parking garage at. So he's it, it's a it's a light where it's like he he couldn't go straight. He was to my left. I was going straight. Um, he couldn't go straight. He had to either turn right or left. So he went. He was going left. Um, d he didn't. He just kept going straight. He just went straight. It was a dead end. There was nothing there, and he just went straight into a tree. It was really strange. Uh, I don't know if this person had been drinking or what, but um, everyone was like, this is weird. What just happened? He was going very slow and just went straight into the tree, and we all just went around him. Anyway, go on, go ahead. I, I, I saw a very similar thing happen like two years ago. A uh, guy swerved all over the place and then ran into a tree, into a ditch, and I was like, what just happened? What are you, like, what we... are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, we guessed that he had a heart attack while driving. Oh, um, this guy but, was okay. I will say that he, I, I saw the, the airbag, the airbag yeah, went like crazy. Did, he was, yeah, he was fine. This guy did not get out of the vehicle after he crashed. Oh, and I was okay. like, oh, that's neat. F. Um, F's in the chat. But uh, well, um, <laughs> one of the, one of the things I noticed is like parts of the vehicle will fall off, like the headlamp and stuff like that, which is neat. It's cool. Um, but if you if if you hit a car head on going like 80 and you're in a truck most likely the back end of your truck is going to lift up yeah after it hits it's going to hit and go like this and instead this just piles through <laughs> like <laughs> it just battering ram to the point where i was like wondering if they had like gravity physics at all but then it it ended up like lifting some vehicles as well so i was like no, that's in there. They just uh, uh, all right, whatever. I'll I'll stop on my diatribe. They don't need to impress people like you for the tech demo. Is what they're what they're trying to say with your specific skill set. They you do. I'm Liam a consumer. Of a car person. <laughs> a very particular set of crash test dummy skills. <laughs> all right, let's move on to audience questions. Every week we address two or three audience questions, comments, or concerns. We take questions from our supporters over on Patreon at patreon.com. You can leave your questions in the comments section of the previous episode's post. The $1 tier will get you access to those question submissions. However, we also take submissions at gamegroups at gmail.com and in the YouTube comments, but our patrons will always receive priority. First question comes from Mike. Not this Mike, but oh. hey, Mike. Question. What game has the most sentimental meaning to you? Josh, what game is the most sentimental meaning for you? 
Everyone is going to be just so shocked and surprised at my answer. Mike, would you like to answer for me? It's WoW. It's World of Warcraft. Yeah, I mean, I I obviously (laughs) won't stick on it too terribly long. But I saw the question coming up, and I literally went and like put on like Teldrassil and El- 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 <laughs> Woods music. Like, like there is nothing like wow for me. Uh, I mean, I, if if I get the chance to talk highly about it, I will because I haven't had a lot of chances to do that lately. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there is nothing quite like the world that I went into in two thousand eight. Uh, that was wow nothing has blown my mind to that point yet i will never i've just come to conclusions that i will never get that high uh ever again i'm like a fucking crack addict i'm just constantly chasing it and i just never will get it it was genuinely it's an incredible experience and i i can attribute like i can attribute highs and lows of my life to wow expansions not because of the wow expansions but just during certain time periods and i can like like this during Mr. Pandaria, I was doing X and X and X and X. It's like it's been there is such a constant in my entire life, aside from maybe three months when I would take a break, maybe once. It's just always been there, which is why I just don't really ever quit. I just maybe don't play for two weeks and then come back. Um, so I mean, it's easily wow. I, I, I. It's why it hurts so much more when they go wrong like they have the past two expansions because I'll still play it for the most part, just not as much as I would like. And I just I would really like to get back to Azeroth and just get back to basics. Get Give me back to the basics of the world and a good, just down-to-earth, easy story. And you'll, you'll reel me right back in into the game I fell in love with. It's funny that you mentioned that about the expansions because that is sort of how I define the eras in my life, specifically Cataclysm on everything before that for me, like uh, Vanilla, BC, Wrath of Lich King, they were all like childhood for me. So it's sort of all a blur and sort of all melds together. But after that, you know, with, with adulthood specific like events that happened i can yeah i can put them like sometime during a wow expansion which is uh sad all right mike uh (laughs) what game has the most sentimental meaning to you this is not a meme this is not at all a meme oh boy this is true josh josh knows the answer to this already because i explained it to him um and i'm not gonna go into a lot of detail but a game that got me through Um, a very difficult time during my development stages of like the third grade sonic and knuckles sonic 3 and knuckles it's it's actually genuine though it is genuine Genuine. it is 100 percent genuine um i won't go into too many details but uh there was some tragedy that happened while i was in my third grade and this is the game that got me through the night and much of the week while it happened so that is why sonic means so much to me and sonic and knuckles 3 i can remember the level that i was on um it's not a meme i really do love that game i love sonic for it let this be known to the audience that Mike is just trying to make me feel bad now about my Sonic hate. <laughs> it's not going to work. I still hate Sonic. I don't care. You can hate him. I'm just saying, like, I'm not memeing. I'm here. <laughs> for I- I'm a Sonic fan for a reason. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay. Well, at least you have some sort of legitimate reason because Sonic, you know, not, not a good game. So at least you have, there is another reason <laughs> for that. Anyway. 
you would think that my answer would be World of Warcraft. And maybe that really is the answer. Uh, I'm not actually sure. Uh, but that's not the first thing that came to mind for me, oddly enough. For me, it's Crash Bandicoot. Crash, I think, is the first game I ever owned for myself. It wasn't a hand-me-down game from my brothers. Um, I got an NES from them with a bunch of games. But the PlayStation and Crash were the fir- were my like my first games that I owned. Uh, and the PS1 is kind of where it all started for me. So that that and the Game Boy Color. And so uh, that's, that's what I'm going with. The next question comes from Josh. No, not our Josh, but another Josh out there. What game or game genre do you wish you liked? Mike, let's go to you first. Mike, what game or game genre do you wish you liked? I'll answer the question. But first, I want to point out that uh, Sonic 3 and Knuckles has an 8.8 user score. Um, <laughs> oh, it's like Uncharted 2. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Uncharted, Uncharted game. Sonic games. <laughs> anyways. Um, MMOs, they suck. I hate them. I, I want to like them, <laughs> but they kind of just suck. I, I don't I don't know. They're just not. They're not great. I, wow, it's boring. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> why do you, Why do you wish you liked them? Because all my friends play them and talk about them so highly, and then I try to play them and they suck. <laughs> we need um, or my or my favorite. I try to play them and then they quit without telling me. That's never happened. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> it probably needs to be like a really solid MMO light for Mike to get really invested, or like a MMO Good survival game fine. or something. Good Wars is fine. It needs to be compelling gameplay. And are you a hundred percent against the idea of tab target ever? Yeah, pretty much. I think it's stupid. all right. Let's move on. That's, uh, <laughs> that's going to lean into my answer. Funnily I enough, think it, I think it's lazy game design. I think it worked back when WoW came out, and WoW does it very well, and I won't say that it doesn't, and I've experienced really bad tab targeting, and I will say WoW has probably the best tab targeting in the genre, but it is 2021 now. We can get past tab targeting. Here's what I'll say about tab targeting very quickly. I mean, I I could literally talk about this for the next five hours, but what I'll say real quick, it sort of goes back to the strategy of the D&D days and there is a certain I don't want to use the word again but a strategic element and precision to it that I that I really do enjoy. I I could like I said I could go on about this forever and maybe I'll make a video about it someday. But anyway, Josh, what game or game genre do you wish you liked? Speaking of shitty combat, uh turn-based combat. Wow. Uh it's wow. ass. It's cheeks. It literally ruins any game for me because it's a slow boring and awful wow. the only one i've watched on my stream is persona which i think is the only one that could maybe get me to want to do it but i'd have to play it on like easy difficulty so i could just bull rush the fucking combat i so just the guy who played for the king yeah see i mean for the king does it pretty well there's a lot and of different I, turn-based I, combat and, I, and i'll give i'll give for the king some credit too because i admittedly <laughs> just forgot about it because this is genuinely good enough to be like a reasonable turn-based game that I can play. But there's others out there where it's like you walk up to the snail and you got to go into this combat mode yeah. and fight this goddamn snail. Oh, spoiler alert, you got to fight this goddamn snail 50 fucking times and go into the same combat rhythm every time. 
Whereas in other games, it's just like, boom, you fight it, it's done. Uh, I don't know. Turn-based, for me in particular, I won't say RTS because it never interested me, but turn-based, there's so many games with interesting and fascinating stories that are locked behind turn-based combat. I say locked behind because I just won't fucking play it because it's turn-based combat. See, what you're describing is like stereotypical JRPG turn-based combat, which, similar to what Mike was saying about Tab Target, exists because of original technological limitations. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those things that just stuck. And I mostly agree. I'm not big on turn-based games. They do have to bring something different to the table. A couple turn-based games that I like, I've always liked to the Pokemon games, so I'll say that. Persona 5, another one I always recommend to people because it's a little bit different, is uh, the South Park games. Uh, Stick of Truth and Fractured But Whole. They, <laughs> just because they are... <laughs> they're, they're just a different kind of turn-based game. They aren't, there aren't many with that same sort of tone to them. So they, they can be pretty fun. Anyway... For me, it's City Builders. I used to love City Builders when they were simpler and I was younger. I just can't get into them now. Along those same lines, I wish I liked management sims more in general. There are some that I can play and some that I can really get into, specifically when they're sports-related, just because I like that. I like the intricacies of that in real life as well, so it's much easier to transition to a game version of that. So those are just things that, I, because I wish that I could just sort of sit down and relax with like a city builder or a management sim at the end of a day. And for me, there's too much, it's at least when you're starting them, when you're learning them for the first time, it's not really relaxing because it's so much learning. It's like, I want to turn my brain off. I don't want to learn more right now. It's it's why people go home and watch shitty TV at the end of the day, because they just want to turn their brain off and, and enjoy their evening. And so that's that's really why I don't play city builders because I don't have the patience to get into them. I think that's really the big pro uh, problem for me. All right, let's move on to tickle my listicle. It's been a little while. Uh oh. In tickle my listicle, the panel puts together a list to fit around a certain topic, and then we discuss our picks right here on the show. We'll take turns sharing our picks for each round until we get to a number one pick in each category. This week's listicle is. Of course, appropriately, our top three favorite FPS games of all time. Josh, lead us off here. Give us your number three. So I, I couldn't give Vegas number one just because I haven't played it as religiously out of like. So I got to give Rainbow Six Vegas my number uh, three. Okay. While it technically you can play a little, you know, it has cover shooting aspects and it does go third person. For the most part, it's a first person shooter. I just have so many fun memories with that game. It was actually tactical. It was meme-y. Ah, bring, bring back Vegas, Ubisoft. Get rid of your cancerous-ass fucking game that you have now and just bring it back. I forgot about that. It does go into third person and cover in some cover mode. Yeah, right? It's so meme -y and ridiculous. You can literally... I put tape on my screen and I could snipe people with the blind fire by using the <laughs> tape on my screen. It was dumb as hell. Is that the game where you can do a face scan and put yourself in the game? <laughs> yes! You can do it and it's just the ugliest, most hideous fucking thing <laughs> in the world. It's like... <laughs> you could like face scan... There was times someone got away with face scanning their ass <laughs> so it's just some person running around the map the fucking ass, just face. ass face <laughs> but the funniest shit i've ever seen amazing amazing mike you're number three uh number three is an oldie but a goodie 
and the origin of my screen name. Uh, oh. Medal of Honor European Assault. Whoa. The original Xbox. I oh. love it. I loved it so much. I played it daily. Um, played it with my family as well. Uh, my dad and my sister. Nice. Um, and I was really good at it. Not going to brag, but, you know, always <laughs> won every multiplayer game that we played. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's a great game. Good, good, good old shooter. And Medal of Honor, you have died a horrible, tragic death. <laughs> yep. My number three. I've actually mentioned this on a Tickle My Listicle segment before. This is War Rock. Okay. It was a free-to-play Korean FPS. I got super competitive with the game. It was a legitimately good FPS. It had a bunch of really good maps. It was totally free. I think later on it became super pay-to-win. But it's appropriate right now because it had really good holiday events. Specifically with Christmas, there were maps where they would change to have snow and Christmas lights and Christmas trees all around them in December. And it was like... An FPS shouldn't necessarily be like super cozy, but this was. It was so fun to just exist in that world. And for a free game, I mean, it was such a good FPS and it was free and it was a, it was a good time. I, I loved it. I love Warrock. I think it's probably, I, it's, I think it still exists. Maybe not. It might only be like on private servers or something like that. But I know it eventually just became a shit show. But back in the day, I tell you, it was good times. Josh, you're number two. So I was teetering on two here. Uh, one was Call of Duty and one was actually Medal of Honor, but from two very different eras. But Mike's answer pushed me. I'm going to go with Medal of Honor Frontline. Ooh. Uh, I fucking loved Frontline. It wasn't multiplayer at all. It was just a good single player as far as that my young ass knew. It was just you literally start the game in D-Day. And it was just the craziest fucking shit. Damn. Uh, and then you just do the entire, like, World War II French operation, Operation Overlord in uh, World War II. It was incredible. I loved it. I feel like if I went back and played it, I'd be like, what is this shit? But I had a blast with it, and you just literally get to shoot Nazis for 19 levels. Nice. So, I mean, it's it's pretty fun. Sweet. And And did you say there's no multiplayer? It's just a story mode? I, I'm pretty sure that was the case. I think wow. it was before. I think Medal of Honor Rising Sun was the one that came after that. I played a lot of Medal of Honor. And um, Rising Sun, I think, is when they finally added that big multiplayer adapter that you could plug into your back of your PlayStation 2 to play uh, oh, wow. online. And uh, I just never got it. Okay. Wow. Damn. Mike, you're number two. Uh, my number two, uh, kind of a cop out because. It's going to be two games oh, with the same okay. title. <laughs> um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Nice. Uh, with both of them, <laughs> I, I would say. Um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, uh, or Call of Duty 4, as people coined it back in the day, back in the Xbox 360 days. Uh, it was my first experience with Xbox Live. I don't remember how I got Xbox Live. I think I conned my parents into getting it. <laughs> um, they had time cards back in the day. Yeah, I know. I, I remember those. I used to get the free ones in certain games and like stockpile them. But um, it's a great time. Uh, really 
good multiplayer. I think what what sealed it and why I'm putting both of these games on it is the story that Call of Duty Modern Warfare, both of them told. I remember playing Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare and experiencing an RPG literally whizzing by my head uh, during one of the missions. And I was like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. In Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the the remake, there was points in the campaign that I was like, wow, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen from a Call of Duty campaign. And I think, honestly, like Call of Duty campaigns have been pretty good. Yeah. I wish they pushed them further. Um, I wish they focused on them more. I, I mean, that's a different issue. But um, in Call of Duty Modern Warfare, there's a mission um, in London I'm not talking about the one, the hostage mission. I'm talking about the uh, night mission in an apartment building. So good. And it's so fucking good. There are points where I feel like I I was having difficulty discerning that it was a video game. I know. um, Because just how it was done was so well with the night vision and everything. And plus, it's like a level you don't expect from a Call of Duty game. You expect charging through Afghanistan and going down a street with rockets flying overhead and tactical rah, rah. It's, it was tactical. You had to pick your targets. You had to choose when to shoot, who to shoot, et cetera. It's very good. So yeah, both campaigns, uh, I think elevated my experience with call of duty and FPSs. Nice. My number two is battlefield 1942. Maybe my first real competitive online FPS. I played on a old laptop back in the day that didn't run the game super well, but it still ran and I was able to to play it. Uh, looking back now, Battlefield 1942 feels like it was just way, way ahead of its time. You had all the vehicles, like planes and shit, 64 player maps. I don't actually know how they got away with all of that stuff uh, back then because I think it came out in 2002 if I'm if I'm correct. Uh it just Battlefield 1942 was so good and I would actually love like I think they actually did it at one point but I would love a straight remake of it. I I think they they remade the popular multiplayer map from it. I don't know if they remade the entire game, but I would I would love to see that. Um it was just super solid. Josh, your number one pick, sir. Oh, I've ruminated over this one because there were some I wanted to put in two, some I wanted to put in one, mm. but I feel like one has got to just go with one I just had so much fun with, and it's Halo Reach. Halo Reach was incredible. I still think, I would still argue to this point that it was still the pinnacle of Halo multiplayer. I feel like it was the best Halo multiplayer experience. Halo 3 stands come at me. But not only that, like it's told the best Halo story we've had post like Halo 1 through 3. Um, and I still don't think anything has come quite close to it. I can't speak for Infinite yet, but Halo Reach, Halo Reach's story was compelling. There are moments where you're just like, it chokes you up. Like, like I mean, okay, the game's been out forever. So when all the like Spartans start to like die, like that shit hurts. It, it it gets you connected to the characters, and to be just a single standalone game, it does it incredibly well. And not only that, it does it with having fun, engaging fight sequences like throughout halo reach is just goaded um you know i i don't even know how many hours i put into that with friends online um so between campaign and multiplayer reach takes it for me easy very nice mike your number one um 
Yeah, I had some some honorable mentions. Um, my friend would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, his favorite FPS, twenty one forty two. That was a good old, one. Yeah. Um, or back when Battlefield, the last time Battlefield was good, uh, you know, Bad Company too. Um, so good, but. Um, and honestly, like I was thinking about Halo, but for me, when I think of Halo, I don't actually think of an FPS and that's going to sound really stupid because that's what it is, but like, it just doesn't feel like one for me. It feels more like an action shooter, which is still an FPS, but it doesn't feel like, I don't know. It, it, it's odd because it has the backbone to halo at least for the original trilogy was the story and the campaign yeah. it was like the multiplayer was very good but for me like it was an action storytelling shooter it wasn't a it wasn't a competitive fps anyways i'm off track um my number one is going to be the one that i think i've put the most time into and single-handedly almost got me um to not be able to graduate from <laughs> college um Overwatch, mm. easy peasy. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say that. I graduated. We're good. <laughs> um, it, was, it was it was for my graduate program, but um, yeah, it just sucked the life out of me because of how good it was. Um, unfortunately, I don't play it anymore. I haven't played it in years. I don't think I will again for I don't know maybe Overwatch too, but I doubt it. Um, but it was. Like I said, it, it pushed the hero shooter into the limelight. It did a lot of good new things um, and kind of perfected the hero shooter formula. And I think without Overwatch, we don't have Rainbow Six Siege. We don't have um, the travesty that is Battlefield 2042 with their weird fucking operator yeah. shit. Um, yeah. we, we don't have operators in games. So... Um, it's a blessing and a curse, but it was a very good game. It's my number one. All right. So before I do my number one, my honorable mention is Call of Duty 2. Now, very good. When the Xbox 360 first came out, I was visiting. I, I had moved away. I was visiting home. I was visiting my friend. He had an Xbox 360 there. And this was around Christmas time. He loaded up Call of Duty 2, and I was like, holy shit. How do games ever look better than this? I thought Call of Duty 2 was the pinnacle of graphics, and it was so fun. I played so much Call of Duty 2 that weekend when I was with my friend playing Call of Duty 2 is what made me go home, buy an Xbox 360, and then play a shit ton of Call of Duty 2. I loved it. It was a great time. It doesn't make the list, but it's an honorable mention. Number one, though, is Halo 2. Uh, Halo 2, uh, Halo 1, and GoldenEye 007 probably gave me the best local multiplayer FPS experiences I ever had. Not online, but specifically local multiplayer. Uh, but Halo 2 also had that online component, so you were able to go above and beyond. Like, I would play with my friends, we'd play locally, have a great time, and then I'd go play online. Uh, it has to take the cake, I think. All, multiplayer in Halo 2 was essentially Halo 1, but better. It, at least is, is how I feel about it. It had, you know, the, the dual wielding and... It just improved on on pretty much everything, and the maps were so good. Even looking back now, like in my memories, the game visually probably looks a lot better than it actually did. I love Halo Two; it was such a good time, and 
I have a ton of great memories from that game, both. And that's the thing is, this was probably the last time where I played a game, a lot of local multiplayer and online multiplayer. So I have memories in both areas of multiplayer. And that's, I feel like a super rare thing. Like how often are you doing both, you know? So because of that, it takes the top spot. All right, let's move on. Before we get out of here, we're going to do a special shout out. Each panelist is going to give a special shout out to any video game character of their choice and provide a quick reason why this lucky character is getting the attention they deserve. I'm going to go ahead first. A special shout out to my dog character from Toontown Online. May he forever rest in cartoony peace. Now, I was just thinking about him the other day. <laughs> So I thought he des he deserved the shout out. I cannot for the life of me remember his name, but in Toontown Online, you couldn't just type in a name. You had like, it was a list of like three things, like an adjective and like a name and then like, or like an adjective, a title and a name or whatever. And um, you didn't have to use all three uh, sections, but you could do some sort of combination of given th titles and stuff like that. I cannot remember his name, uh, but he was a great character. Love, I still love Toontown Online. Uh, don't play it anymore, obviously. Uh, but back in the day, man, I love that shit. And uh, I'm a dog character. He was very tall. I think he was blue. Uh, shout out to him. Josh, your shout out. A uh, special shout out to, to, the, to the blacksmith in Dark Souls 3. Oh. He's always there. He's always, you know, pretty be careful. He's always there for you. And ready to fix your shit when you die constantly and fix your Estes. He's just a good guy. Just a good, wholesome, uh, swole, built-like-a-brick shit house lad. Love to see it. Very nice. He's always there for you. Mike, your shout-out. That's, that's a good pick because the blacksmiths, blacksmiths and Demon Souls are both fucking assholes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> If you go to the one that's in like the main hub and you don't buy anything from him, he tells you, wow, guess you're not going to last around here. And I'm just like, wow, I'm sorry I was looking at your wares and I don't have money. What a sales pitch. <laughs> like, go fuck yourself. I, honestly, it kind of is a good sales pitch. If you don't buy my shit, you're actually going to die. So <laughs> I don't uh, have money. <laughs> I would buy things if I could. Uh, we can work something out. <laughs> moving on i don't want to know what that means <laughs> um all right my special shout out okay uh this character um he's got quite the range he had a really cool character arc where he was originally a villain then became a protagonist uh then one of the gang you know um he also has like this really interesting ability i don't know why they gave this to him he can glide it's very strange uh knuckles the echidna no uh, idris elba is gonna crush the role and you know he's just a he's just a classic guy you know i want to die god damn it mike <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us here on the game groups podcast the all-encompassing gaming podcast from the goodnight groups if you really like the show and if you really hate Knuckles, we encourage you to check out our Patreon at <laughs> patreon.com slash goodnightgroups, where we currently have three different tiers available. Any and all support is greatly appreciated and will go a long way in improving everything here at the Goodnight Groups. So the $3 plus tier will get you access to this show two days early, so you get a Friday instead of Sunday. Now, a special shout out to all of our patrons currently supporting us in the $5 plus tier, Ishmael S. and Jeremy R. A round of applause for them, please. Good answer. 
We also ask <laughs> that you take a couple minutes to drop a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or leave a like and comment on the YouTube video. Now, no one has done a five-star review on Apple Podcasts yet. If you are the first, we will absolutely read your review out. So go leave that uh, five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And make sure to check out goodnightgroups.com for all of our content where you'll find this podcast, GG Replay, Southern Fried Groups, game reviews, and more. Guys, any last thoughts? Much like our beautiful sun in the sky with the new release of the Sonic open world game, Sonic burns brighter than ever in our hearts and our minds. That'll do it for us here today. (laughs) Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Matt, did you schedule your stream yet? (laughs) I will be streaming a Sonic game sometime this month. Twitch.tv slash goodnightgroups. I lost a bet. Only 15 days left. I'll see you guys soon. (laughs) 